you're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Here we go, we're back for another episode of your celestial one-stop shop for all things Sevens. The seventh wonder of the podcasting world. We're nipping across, we're going transatlantic once again to bring you someone from the razzmatazz of the NFL. Yeah, that's right. Former England Seven star Alex Gray is in town. He's worn the jersey of the Falcons, both sides of the pond, Newcastle and Atlanta. And now he's here in seventh heaven with myself, Bernsey, Chip, and Mitch and we are ready to rumble we are ready to rumble all right fancy it's funny that obviously we've all known each other now for quite a long time and I think the bot the the pods really brought us close but we only found out how old you are the other day (laughs) and me and Chip were a bit taken aback I was I I felt like um I should you should have asked my parents before taking me out Although to be fair, with that beard, <laughs> with that beard you're sporting now, it kind of makes sense. The beard is significant. For those who not who aren't watching the clips of this, um, it's a David Brent touch of ginger with a, a slight hint of grey at the bottom, and he's sculpted the chin strap around the side, so he's shaved in the chin strap, which is a terrible look mostly. But Burns is doing all right. My jaws never looked so defined. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of birthdays and age, how was how was the big bash? How was the big 3-0 last week, Chip? I saw you partying on your own in a barn with a bunch of skinny lagers. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, Annika like made a hell of an effort um, and like basically built me a, a bar in the barn. Um, so just, yeah, I had like a little shindig, me, Annika, Annika's mum, a couple of beers. Skinny lager sent us out some beers, so some guilt-free beers on there. Thanks very much. Plug, plug, plug. No, no, it was nice. Um, just like a chilled out day, really. Bit surreal not seeing everyone, but I had a lot of nice messages and really felt the love last week. So yeah, it was a really good birthday. Can you tell us the message that you got from an account that you've never heard of before, wishing you happy birthday as well, Chip? Which one? I can't remember now. Oh, the one who Didn't said, yeah, um, happy birthday to the head guard. <laughs> Oh, cheers. Your legend grows, Chippy. Cheers. You know you've made it. Are we allowed to talk about the New England kit? Or can I, or can I talk? I'll, I'll, I'll share my views on the New England kit. I, I, think, we can, I think we can acknowledge that it's, it's changed to Umbro because it's out there. You won't have to tiptoe around this too much. There's been some top quality social media on that. Um, I love the one of uh, all the manks outside singing Stone Roses, dancing around with the long trench coats on. If anyone hasn't gone to the replies to the tweet that England Rugby put out announcing the Umbro sponsorship, it's well worth a read scrolling down. There was some gold. My favourite one was some guy was just like, great, my son's crying. Thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's class. Speaking of Stash, you did something pretty cool with your kit last week, Mitch. 
Yeah, well, I've been doing my full kit Fridays, which is partly therapy for myself because um, just to remind myself that I used to play rugby and it's a bit of fun. But then last week, uh, the one that I dug out was actually from the 2013 World Cup. And it was um, at the time, just got it signed by all the lads that played in that team. So I uh, managed to auction that off, actually, um, make a bit of money for, for charity, which is good. Um, so, yeah, all round, that was, a, that was a good little outcome from that one. And there'll be another one coming out this week. Uh, I haven't decided which one I'm going to bust out yet. Which one would you like to see? You, you, you went big early. You went with the Tequila Sunrise jersey. You just get like, I mean, how do you follow that? Mate, I honestly <laughs> blew, blew it too early, didn't I? I uh... <laughs> the, the, don't bring that up. Still absolutely man down about that jersey. <laughs> you know, Chippy didn't, you know the story behind Chippy not possessing one of those jerseys? No. Despite despite wearing one. Made my debut in that jersey. I scored my first try in it. And then after the tournament, it was the end of the season. Uh it was Edinburgh, the last leg. Um and Will Beely, who's the like the manager and like looked after all the kit, goes, um, give me your give me your orange shirt. And I was like, What? Like after the tournament, because I was a fresh pants, didn't know anything about it. Took my shirt off me. He said, oh, we're taking the name off it and taking the number off because they're going to use all the shirts for the Euros. So basically, for my debut, I only got the white shirt. I didn't get to keep the Tequila Sunrise. Gone. Oh. Because the fresh pants, I didn't question it. I was like, oh, yeah, that must just be what everyone does. Like everyone else was like, no, I'm keeping it. I was like, oh, okay. In full kit back. Gutted. <laughs> Absolutely gutted. Uh, of all what, the shirts what, as what? well. What a bad, what a bad egg! Did he not know it was your debut? Yeah, well, it was the first time I'd seen him, so yeah, he must have known. <laughs> he just knew that that was one shirt he was going to be able to get back because everyone else was just going to keep hold of it. He thought, "I'll oh, prey on the the young guy. He weren't any better." I wouldn't fit in it now, to be honest. Mate, it's, it's hanging up in his downstairs bathroom as we speak, probably. Pride of place, Will Beely, absolute bandit. Now he was, a, he was a good lad. He's just um, a bit tight when he would get. Yeah. What? So what? So what happens to your kit every time you play a tournament? Do you get to keep the full kit every time you play? Yeah. So we get. Um, you get a kit for each tournament, basically. Um, and then sometimes, like you, they use socks again, but majority of the time you just get to keep that kit. Yeah. So match shorts are the one that just get going, aren't it, Mitch? No one keeps them really. They're the ones that you like give away because what you're going to do with like forty odd pairs of white shorts? Yeah, we've been lucky in the men's squad that we've had uh, we've had quite a big kit allocation from certainly since we've been with Canterbury, and uh, um, the women's is slightly different. They don't get as much kit, which is something that. I'm sure will be addressed in the they coming do now. years. Uh, yeah, it has changed, hasn't it? And yeah, so it's quite cool because you can, it's nice being able to give bits and bobs of kit away, like the shorts and the socks. To be fair, the shorts and socks are in a bad way after the end of a tournament. You can imagine the sweat and yours, the, the dirt. Yours are the skid marks. <laughs> <laughs> that's Nortzes with the skid marks. Yeah, he's, that's his, his nickname, isn't it? Skid mark. So, so that was quite a big thing, giving away that World Cup jersey. I, I, I think that's so generous. Like, there's no way I'd yeah. part with that. I mean, we make bad decisions in lockdown, and maybe I'll be regretting it now. I don't know. Uh, no, it's the thing is, mate. Like, I'm quite sentimental with a lot of my kit. I like to hold on to it, and I've kind of held on to quite a lot over the years. But um, to be honest, you, if there's a if there's a better use of it in the short term, so be it. Maybe one day I'll look back and think, oh, I wish I still had hold of that shirt. But I've got the memories, Bernsey, so 
As long as you keep hold of a couple, I'm the same as you, Mitch. I'm like a hoarder with shirts. I don't like giving them away. But as soon as a decent charity pops up or a school asks you for an auction, then it's you just you've got to do the right thing, in you? Because what what are you going to do with another shirt in the in the bag? It's only just that you know going to be sat in a bag or sat in a drawer somewhere. And there's some that I'd never give away. To be fair, gold shirt, chip. What shirts would you never give away? Have you got any of like that? Um, Commonwealth Games. The, the the kit for that um, Cape Town Sevens I'd never give that one away uh, and I think my Worcester Warriors like, the, the premiership my first premiership start that one I'd keep that one as well what about you Burnsy Dubai 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 Invitational have you still got your Dubai yeah. Invitational shirt I still I still, got both of them actually because we had a home and away. That's that's how seriously we took it. Yeah, I've got the Dubai Invitational. Uh, don't have a Richmond jersey. Not even a casual one. No. So you actually had a you actually had the playing jersey. I thought you were just uh, the supporters jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Can you join in then, Burnsy, and do do my full kit Friday with me this week? <clears throat> put your you are put your you are seven stash on your wondrous stash. My wonder stash, I don't have the shorts anymore. The shorts are too small at the time and they're even smaller now. But uh, do you know, speaking of Umbro, I've got I've got an old school London Irish jersey from when I played mini rugby. I don't know if you guys will remember it, but it had a massive, a big L and an I down one side of the shirt. So it's completely green, made of highly flammable polyester and then had an L and an I and that was made by Umbro. That's, it's an all time, it's the best, best kit in premiership history. Got some breaking news on Twitter, boys. Uh, the England Sevens fans have been uh, compiling compiling their team of the decade. And they picked the coach yesterday. Simon Amor got the nod. And the number one jersey has been up for grabs. It was a close run thing between our very own Chippy and Damu Damu. And Chippy has edged him out by just three votes to make the England seven fans team of the decade. I voted for Damu Damu because they tagged me in it and I was like, there's no way I should be in a team ahead of Damu Damu. He was one of the best players I've ever seen. Thanks very much for the love. Um, I would have been happy to ride the bench uh, behind Damu Damu, who's an absolute athlete. But yeah, good to know uh, I've done something all right. The head guard lives on. Career highlight for you there, Chip. Yeah, being out, being out Sam Edgley and Jeff Williams as well. Unlucky Jay Dubes and little Sam Edge. Sam Edge is one of the only players I've ever played with that's triple dummy switched me with one movement. So me and in Tokyo one year, he's running across. I've come on the switch. Still in the 15s mindset, dummied me. I was like, oh, I best get with him again. Dummy switched me again. And then dummy switched me again and run into touch. I was like, right, this is what Sevens is about. Then. <laughs> Right, so who's done their homework on today's guest and sport? It's fair to say I'm not an expert on the NFL, but I will be pretending I am for the next period of time. Yeah, I don't have a clue either. I uh, Whenever he speaks to me about stuff, I understand what he's saying because he, he explains it well, but yeah, NFL's just totally over my head. So you didn't watch any given Sunday like I did yesterday in preparation? <laughs> <laughs> Is that your favourite NFL movie or American football movie? Because mine is Remember the Titans. It's like one of my favourite films of all time. Remember the Titans is deep. I mean, that, that, that touches the soul. But any given Sunday, that's like the razzmatazz of the NFL, isn't it? That's the, the pyrotechnics. That's the stuff that I love. Do you think you're sunshine, Mitch? 
<laughs> yeah. Is Jerry Maguire? That's American football, isn't it? Jerry Maguire is Great such song. a movie. Yeah, the show me the money scene is one of the best ever. That's what Reed Smith's agents does when he goes in. <laughs> show me the Falls money. into Adidas. <laughs> show me the money. Show me the money. So time for today's special guest. Super pumped to have this guy. And he made his debut for England 7s at Dubai in 2013, aged 22. But come 2017, he piqued the interest of the NFL and signed for the Atlanta Falcons, where he has been learning his American football craft, putting in some graft and making waves in gridiron across the pond. We are lucky to have today in 7th Heaven, Alex Gray. To Atlanta where the play is played And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Welcome to Atlanta where the play is played And we ride on the things Alex Gray like in the clouds, welcome to 7th Heaven Thanks for having me guys I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's a little funny being on the webcam with my clothes on for the first time So, <laughs> <laughs> a little different <laughs> You guys have done quite a few now, haven't you? You're getting good at it we're getting there. We waited till we got good to get you on, Shag. <laughs> yeah. But you, we couldn't get, you couldn't get Wadey on the bill, so that's why I'm on here. <laughs> no one But I spoke to Dazza Fern yesterday and he said that you were, um, that you've been down in the dumps because Marcus got the nod before you. <laughs> oh, it's Steven. Steven. I mean, Marcus is all right, but, but McConaughey, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> McConaughey wasn't on as a player, though. He'd, he'd won a competition as one of the super fans. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Same at the Olympics, wasn't it, for him? I'll tell you what, this is going to be a hot episode, Shaggy. Keep bringing in sort of heat. What have you been getting on with then, Shaggy? Nothing, mate, just trying to survive, you know, day to day. Stuck up here in London and can't get back to the US. All the flights are locked down and trying to stay healthy, fit. You yeah, know? what's the so. story then? You, you're able to do much training at the moment because you must obviously got to try and stay in some decent nick. Yeah, classic. Um, yeah, it's same as everyone. A lot of running in the park, running routes in the park. And I'm sure there's been a few funny looks being like, what the hell is this guy doing? Especially <laughs> since I've been full pads and helmet. Even I wouldn't do that. Jeez. Are you fully invested in the word route then? You you haven't gone yeah. route. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's route, it's um it's Z. Um because a lot all the guys you have different positions and they all have different names like Y, X. Instead of being obviously Z for us, it's they all call it Z, so I can't shake it now. It's just it just I just see I'm I'm just seeing words on a piece of paper when I close my eyes and that's just what it is. So so, but that's the thing that they can't understand you unless you use their lingo you know what I mean so you'll say something to them two or three times and uh, it's just easier if you just come down to their level really so did they give you a lot of stick in the beginning come down to <laughs> did they give you a lot of stick in the beginning about your, your accent and stuff or does that still happen uh, yeah you still get a bit of that it's um, I mean I had one guy ask me do they speak English in England <laughs> which uh, almost almost broke me Middle of, tra- middle of training camp, morale's running low as it is, just trying to get through the days, and some, some guy comes and asks you that, you're thinking, well, what am I doing, man? <laughs> what's your crack now then, Shaggy? What's, um, so what's the, what's the plan post-COVID? Back to the States? 
Um, so the position I'm in at the minute is I've hit free agency. So I did three years with the Falcons. Um, as it does in the NFL, you'll find there's so much more chopping and changing of, of teams and squads because the rea- like reality is everyone's on a day-to-day rolling contract kind of. Um, so I, you know, I managed to do three years with the Falcons, which was good. You know, did the first year on the pathway, signed a, another year's deal and signed a two-year deal. And then after my first year of that two-year deal, they said, no, thanks, mate. So, uh, so yeah, but that's what happens. Like, I mean, even our starting tight end ended up in free agency because um, they weren't going to be able to pay him enough money. So you find that quite a lot as well. You know, the guys at the bottom of the roster, there's a lot of chopping and changing. But if the team has no money to spend and you're, and you're one of the best players who's going to demand a high fee, um, you could get the chop as well. Like a couple of our starters got put on free agency. And, and uh, but it's been a weird one, obviously, with, you know, the COVID because teams can't do medicals they can't bring you in for interviews they can't do you know, i can't do anything i can't even go i can't even be in the stage right now so um it's just a funny time but and no one really knows when it's going to kick off again so you just gotta stay ready y'all you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> as they say so so but what's the point in signing a two-year contract if after a, a year they turn around and say no thanks it's basically so they've got all the power you know so if you have a really good year you st- that second year they can't you know you you could be say if you sign you know, a minimum contract whatever it is you know a million dollars but then you absolutely ball out you could a team might want to give you five six million just on the off chance but this team's like nah actually you're on the same money pal so that's that's how they do it. i mean it's they're just trying to trying to keep you locked down you know we haven't spoken about this for a while lads but that's how the contracts work on seventh <laughs> heaven so just stay on your game yeah <laughs> i wish Benzie. Um, so what's that like match, though, Shag? match fees for you two isn't it <laughs> we all get an no, indi- individual share of nothing that's why we're rack- <laughs> that's why we're trying to rack up the episodes we get appearance bonuses on the pod um, so what's that what's that like though I mean obviously like there's a degree of uncertainty in in any sport like rugby is the same with, with injuries and stuff but at least you know that you're sort of looked after for the period of your contract what's that like going the day to day especially someone like you who's super competitive and wants to do well like what's that like in your uh being in that environment where it is so cutthroat because you hear about this all the time like you know a kicker misses a kick and that's it they get binned off or something yeah i mean i've seen it happen um you know you could be sat next to a guy and all of a sudden a couple hours time someone else you come back from lunch and someone else is sat there you know it's just like it really is crazy um you know, you come in the you come in the locker room every morning, and you just you know you're just wondering is there going to be a scout stood by my locker, you know, asking me to bring my iPad up to the, see the coach. The coach wants to speak to you, you know, because uh, we you know it happened to one of our our tight ends in our playing group. So we were we were in preseason, and we were just sat having a meeting. We'd already practiced, had training. We'd come in. We were starting our like eight hour slog of meetings, um, and scout knocks on the door, comes in. Oh, can we have? Um, so and so and we're just all everyone just looks at each other like oh okay anyway he goes off five minutes later comes back like really shock up and he just said listen lads um they've traded me to the patriots so i mean better than being cut but he just bought a house um you know he would played on the team for the last the two years before that um it's just just how it goes you know it's, it's it really is business first and i think that's the difference between the American sports and, and well, you know, I've experienced rugby where there is that kind of family feel a little bit um, and you would hang out with guys and go for coffee and, and do all that stuff. But in the NFL, it is very much, this is your job. You either get it done or we'll get someone else who will, um, which is, it's a tough place to live because 
you know, every day matters. You know, it doesn't matter if you're the, you know, the top earning player who they need on a Sunday to score the winning touchdown or, or throw the winning pass. They are always every day looking for someone to replace you. You know, they're always trying to, because there's a whole department, you know, they call it the front office. You have the coaching staff and you have the front office and it's the front office's job to put the players in the building. Um, and, you know, they make, they make, you know, no secret that they're looking for people to, to um to replace you and you see you see the guys that they bring in you know they bring the guys in to come in um to try out and they like run them through all drills and stuff and then you see them hanging around getting some lunch before they they go home and you, you know, you're looking trying to size them up to see if any of them are playing tight end <laughs> but uh but no i mean yeah i managed yeah but i mean it, it was good i mean as you say like it really does bring out the competitor in, in you you know because every everything is scrutinized you cannot hide um, you know, there's no taking like a rest in a ruck or anything like that. It's it's you versus him. Who wins? Do you do a good enough job to stop the quarterback getting sacked, or like do you catch the pass or do you drop it? And you, if you have one or two bad days, you know the reality is you could be gone. Uh, like I've known guys who've had kids, like they're doing absolutely fine, like like doing well in training, but the kicker gets injured at the weekend and they need, need another kicker. So they cut this guy who's just had a baby the week before and he's now jobless on the street, you know? So it's, um, you got to, yeah, you got to develop some kind of like uh, mental dog about you, I'd say, because it is, it is so cutthroat, but it is what it is. It's high risk, high reward with that business, you know? So. Um, is there any, um, is there any like mental support? Like, you know, for, you know, when we were at the sevens, like we like speak to Katie Warner and you like, you got the boys to kind of back, fall back on. You said like, obviously there's not a massive like team as a bigger team feeling in the NFL, but is there any like support network you, you can lean on? Um, it's limited. I mean, because it, it really is. If you don't want to do it, someone else will, you know I mean? It's probably on, it's probably on, it's on you as a professional to facilitate that yourself. You know, you have to turn up, you have to turn up to work ready to go. You know, if you can't get that done, then that's on you. Sorry, you like you're gone. So um, it's it is somewhere that I really think that that could be improved. But so many people come in and out of the team like every year um, that it's just it's just it's just hard to get any rhythm. Like I know we had with the sevens, you know, we had a lot of stuff that we lived by and a lot of m mental processes that you guys all try and buy into, you know. But with a squad of sixty guys, half of that team will change every year, uh, maybe more. It's hard to get that continuity, you know what I mean? So um, it would be nice for the players to get a bit more of that for sure because it's tough. But at least at least all those guys that do come into the league, they have the fallback of the college. You know, they've, they've been to college, they've all been to college, they've all got a degree, so they're not just thrown out on the street as you see sometimes in rugby a little bit. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, it's <clears throat> really good insight. Some of that you talked about, like the day-to-day -day and, and the, the feeling of having to go in day-to-day -day and do your stuff. Can you just give us a bit of a an idea of what the day looks like. So um, is there a pretty standard kind of formula to the day and, and kind of how does that work? The kind of the way the week works is most football is played on a Sunday. Um, and then what you'll do is, you know, you might be, a, so, I mean, this is kind of, you never stay over on away games. You always just leave the stadium, get on a flight, come back. No um, social. In, no social, no yeah. social. What about the court session? Court session on the game. sessions. No court nobody session. is nobody is socialising with anybody. I'm telling you that right now. You 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 you're in the building too much for guys to want to be hanging out together. Um, hey, I, that's are you sure that's right? Because I watched any given Sunday yesterday and <laughs> Stephen Willie Beeman, LL Cool J, they are having it off. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could switch in and watch ballers, and you think all the players on their days off are down in Miami. Just, I'm sure there's a lot of that going on because you have to remember some of those guys. You know, and this is what I was warned about when I first entered the league. Be careful who you hang around with because some of those guys have no limits on their life. You know, if they want to get a helicopter to down to Miami Beach or whatever, they can just do it. You know what I mean? On their day off, like it's just, it's just they can do whatever they want. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can watch ballers and all that type of stuff, and it, it doesn't really. I'm sure that stuff is is what happens in the off season. Well, I know it does, but when you're in, during season, it's it really isn't like that. It's long days. It's you train for two hours. You're in the gym for one hour. You're the rest of the day is you're sat in meetings, looking at film and, and doing all. And you're in you're in from seven to eleven some days. You know, so so on a Wednesday, this is Wednesday's our main day. So you play Sunday. You come in on a Monday to do a a lift and um, review the game. Um, it's either a morgue if you've lost, or it's the best place to be if you've won. Um, and, and so then you do you do that, and then you you come you uh, have Tuesday off, but Tuesday isn't really an off day for the younger guys. Like you are you are expected to be in there in the recovery room looking at film. So Tuesday isn't really a day off. You know you got to be in there. And Wednesday's the main day. Wednesday's the day the pads the pads come on. Um, so the day would look like you'd probably get in for like seven thirty and have your breakfast. Um, you'd lift um, weights at eight. Um, and then at nine, you'll start your meeting. So you'll have what we call installs. So you'll start going through the plays that we're going to use for the week. Um, and the installs are split. So you do a lot, some of them on Wednesday, some of them on Thursday, some of them on Friday. Um, and most of them have been pre-learned and there just might be some tweaks going on with the defense that we're facing. Um, so yeah, you do those meetings up till about 12. Then you have two hours of practice. Um, then you probably have an hour of recovery. Um, and then you have a bit of food. So then from like five till eight or nine or for the younger guys, sometimes later, um, you'll be in meetings looking at stuff and reviewing the training. And because there's so many different, um, so many different teams within the team, you know, there's the offense, there's the defense, there's a the special team. So you, 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 have, you spend all your time with your position group. So you have position group meetings, you have your offense meeting, you have your special teams meeting, you have your team meeting twice a day, you know, so everything's doubled up. Um, but it's you know, if it's what you got to do if you want to be there, you know. Oh, that's brutal, Shag. Um, so obviously we we know that Burnsy would be on special teams, Waterboy. Um, but where would you <laughs> where would you slot me and Mitch in if we had to come over? Um, Chippy, I'll probably, I probably I think like I think I would put you at linebacker. I think the trend, like I'm kind of regretting playing tight end because you have to know so much. You know, playing in the, playing defense, you just have to see the ball, run the ball, and smack someone. So I think that's just you down to tea in it, mate. Yeah, I'll tell you that, mate. So was... <laughs> uh, Mitch, I mean, it depends which way you wanted to go. I mean, obviously you'd fit into the quarterback, that kind of dictator role, you know. Um, or if you wanted the easy life, you could be the kicker or the punter. So the fuck, he gets uh, sacked straight away, mate. I thought he said they get sacked. <laughs> if they oh, I was yeah, waiting for you to jump in, Chip. He had to get him get one back there. I like being the kicker shack because I won't get hit that way, will I? In theory. Yeah, life's easy. For you, life's easy for you as well, mate. No meetings, just playing table tennis all day. Um, mate, how do they? The punter. How do they get away with it? Do they must get mugged off by the boys the whole time for having that cruisy life? Well, uh, you say you say that, but I think it's just they get respect because of how um, high pressure their job is. They have one job, and it has to be perfect. And as you said, like you miss, you miss two kicks maybe if you're a young guy without a good record 
they're lo- probably looking for somebody else. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's it's, you want to be a punt. You want to be a punter. That's what you want to be. Because as long as you can just put the ball in the air, and make it hang for five, six seconds, kick it sixty yards. That's it, really, mate. Like decent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got rocket boot shag. That's I'll it. Mate. Get, I, get paid a, a, a million a year for that. I send you, I, I send you my highlights. I have to take yeah, a pay cut I'll, to come over then. <laughs> It sounds super regimented then, Shaq, like your day-to-day, but also, I guess, to some extent, the way you play. Like, as you say, you run the routes that you that are kind of cool on the play. Um, the you, routes. You make, well, I'm, I'm getting into the lingo <laughs> nice. now. Look, are you trying to get a contract already? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, when you played sevens and we were playing together, part of your, well, a massive strength of yours was kind of your freedom, the creativity you brought to the game, and the way you kind of played... I guess off script, should we say? How do you, how, how are you able to kind of put that into what is seems like quite a regimented game? Yeah, I mean that's exactly it. it, it it's like a chess game. Um, in your one piece, you have to be doing your job because there's all sorts of things to take into account, like quarterback timing. You know, if you're not where you're supposed to be, you could be closing up the space for somebody else. Um, it's just it really is like high IQ chess game. Um, because so the co- like the coach the coaching is crazy you know there's someone sat up in the booth um the offensive coordinator who's seeing everything he's seeing how deep the defenses are being run he's trying they each team is trying to outsmart each other um and it really is there is very very little uh, it's far, it's based far more on athleticism you know can you can you go above someone and catch the ball you know full ex- like fully extended um can you i guess the little bit of thing you get is when you release for, for your routes which is you know, when you see when the ball goes set hurt, you have a guy stood over you and how would you lose him from the start? You know, you see a lot of wide receivers who are really good at that. You know, the guys are really good feet. Um, apart from that, you know, you're there, to, you're there to do a job within a system. Um, there is very little flair, I would say, because they want someone who can contribute to what they're trying to achieve on the whole. Um, so, yeah, and, I, you know, as you say, that that's something I find really hard is having to you know, wait around for someone to say go and and then be so prescribed with everything you do. But that's part of it. That's why you gotta study, that's why you gotta watch film and um and it really is a process trying to trying to get that together. So so what so what was it that drew you to NFL in that case, if you're missing the decision making autonomy? Um it was definitely the, it was the challenge. I mean everyone, you know, everyone knows the NFL and how you know, big, big time it is, how glitz, glamour. It really, For me, it was the frontier of, um, of pro sports. You know, it means I could be in a room with, you know, the baddest athletes in the world and, and how, do you, how do you measure up? Um, and for me, you know, the story of going in there, not, not having even seen, like I've never been to an American football game before I played in against the Miami Dolphins. Um, so it was just, it was, I wanted, I wanted an opportunity to just have my back against the wall and really just, see what I was about you know what I mean and and that's what it was that's all it was you know I never grew up loving the game um you know I played I played Madden um watched some of the you know the playoff games when it was on but they were always on at two o'clock in the morning you know what I mean so there was really no American football to watch when it's not like it is now on Sky with the red zone and stuff um it really was the challenge that was it um I wanted to know you know am I the biggest and am I the baddest you know what I mean I wanted to go find that out so uh that that was really it and then it's 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 kind of turned into something else and being able to find other 
other aspects of it, you know, like in like I didn't realize how big the American football community was in England. Um, so to be the first wave of those guys coming through, it kind of made made younger people especially think, well, wow, man, well if these guys can do it, then you know maybe maybe I can one day, and that was kind of a huge part of it as well, really. That I didn't think about to begin with, but was really taken aback by by that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah that, that is cool. Blew me away a bit. Yeah, I like that. I was just bit, like completely bit. sucked in at the moment. Sorry, I haven't even thought of any other questions. I'm just like, wow. A bit of motivation. Yeah, how, how did it all come about? I know you came through the international player pathway, but do you see more English rugby stars coming across NFL? Sorry, obviously Christian Wade's gone across and Christian Scotland Williamson. So do you see it as a viable pathway for a lot of, of rugby players or athletes over here? Um, I think so. I mean, you obviously have to. You obviously have to be a special kind of athlete a little bit. I mean, you look at Wadey. There's no question how good an athlete he is. And you look at um, Christian Scotland Williamson. Like he's a he's a huge huge guy. You know, these are guys that you can't find walking the street everywhere. You know what I mean? Um, so how many guys really do fit into that category? Not many really. But I think. I think what would really stop guys is I think they would love the idea of it, but when it when it comes down to having a sitting in a meeting room and learning all this stuff and, and basically going from you know it's say it was some of the top guys like I know Anthony Watson it was thrown about that he would have loved to have a crack at it at some point whether he might I don't know but will he love coming will he want to come back and be like the bottom rung academy player like. And, and if if you need some reference to to how you're kind of treated, you need to uh, YouTube Keith Armstrong, Atlanta Falcons, um, from when he did the Hard Knocks. He was my special teams coach my first two years, and I think you'll you'll get a you'll get an idea of what you're facing every day with the with the coaches. Um, so I, yeah, I would suggest anyone to YouTube that one if they're listening, just to see what a, an actual meeting can go like. Um, how does it compare? Yeah, being I mean, in, to being in like a Premiership Academy. Um, it's weird though because. The high, like the high, there isn't such a hierarchy where there isn't rugby, you know. So those young guys coming coming through, they'll get abused by some of the older guys, especially on team socials. I mean, it's all in good jest, and yes, there is like a big part of character development in there. But um, the thing is, with the guys who come out of college into the NFL, every one of those guys you're in the room with, wherever they've come from, is the absolute man. You know what I mean? So there's like. You don't. You there isn't a lot of like banter flying, or you would never. You never turn up to. You never. Someone would have a bad day, or if you like, oh man, you are shit. You know what I mean? You, you get a bit of that in rugby, but <laughs> but you know, there's 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 just there's just there's just none of that because you know the, the guys know how hard it is to be in a be in a room, be in a locker room, um, and they know that the difference between maybe them and the guy who's in the practice squad or, or like the academy type the distance isn't very far. And if you have a couple of bad days, this guy might take your job and you might be out of the NFL and it's dream over. Um, so it's, I mean, you get a little bit as you do without any group, but it's, uh, it's very, very business focused as I kind of always, already alluded to. Yeah. I was going to ask, what's it like with those egos? Because in rugby, I think ever since Kieran Reed took a broom to a changing room, everyone's ba been banging on about humility. But American <laughs> football, like American yeah, football, let them know, let them know Joe. <laughs> well, American football is is just the complete opposite, isn't it? It's egos. No one dials down the charisma. It's like massively bombastic people. What's it like dealing with that in a team environment? Um, to be honest with you, I think I think we were pretty good um, at the Falcons because 
the, the head coach used to come and talk to me about that book, about the All Blacks book, how they used to sweep the chase. So he was he was really into that. He loved the brotherhood feel. So I, I think me being at the Falcons was the closest I could have got to the rugby. But and we didn't really have any divas. Like we had Julio Jones, the best receiver. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame. He was just a normal guy. You know what I mean? Like it, I, I would have liked to have seen and been around someone like Antonio Brown or you know even when like Chad Ochocinco was playing like these type of guys um, who just talk a lot a lot of crap you know um, so it's just we did we we really didn't we really didn't have a lot of that um, like it but you do the egos are everywhere but it's also it's also a huge cover up for how insecure a lot of the guys are um, because they because they want to be a football player so bad it's all they it's all they are um and it, and they just know that it could be taken away from them um like we're always like we're always taught we're always talk or oh, bring the juice bring the juice do this so that's but what i came to realize was fake juice is real juice you just can't tell the difference you know what i mean um so you don't know how a player is feeling because it's just so ingrained for them to be jumping around and like ho- whooping and hollering but yeah i enjoyed that part of it because every day every training session seemed like a celebration you know what i mean um so yeah i kind of definitely bought into all of that um yeah i, I enjoyed it and we were lo- we were lucky we didn't have many divas as they call them so uh but you, i mean you get a lot of guys like holding out for contracts and not turning up to training camp because they want more money all that type of stuff and um i guess it's just that next that like next little bit of professional sport where the players actually have some power you know what i mean you're talking about juice and bigging people up um we got a question from someone um ask him about his famous england under 16s pre-game speech <laughs> so yeah i mean who, who I, sent that question in i don't, know, I don't he shall remain nameless a faithful listener um yeah so i mean i think i must have had a bit of americanism in me since day one because i i gave a speech to the guys about um well basically the, the strap line was we we ride together we die together and uh bad boys. And that was it hell yeah man so that was it back at 16 back at 16 i had that mantra so it was um i loved it you know I'll take uh, some notes here for my next team talk, Shag. Keep going. That's that's for that's for Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was there. He was there. Um, so on one of the games where they made me captain, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to uh, I had to do a team talk, and it was the night before the game, and I was literally thinking, what am I going to say here? Like, <laughs> am I just going to say something, then it just be dead silence? Or thanks, Alex sit down (laughs) you know what I mean but anyway I just went with what I knew Um, you know rugby-esque just you know put some heart and soul into it and as I finished there was like an ear of silence and I sat down and then a second later everyone just erupted like because obviously they didn't expect anything like that from like a young rookie blah 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 so um, you know that was a very cool moment for sure because they just love it they they love they love that they love the hype you know so um, I thought you know what here we go let's just get into it that sounds epic What's that ride or die, Shaggy? What's been like your best moment so far in like the whole uh, like scenario, like going moving over and being a massive part of it? Uh, What's been your like one standout moment apart from that um, that like has been class? And what's been one that's been shit as well? That's a good question. Yeah, um, I think I can't look. I, I can't look past the. I can't look past the first game I played. Like as I was saying against Miami. Because as I said, I'd, I'd never been, I'd never been to a. Well, I even coming back from that, the first, the first training session, like I went to, I had never lined up next to anyone. I'd never seen a defense in front of me, and all of a sudden, 
I, when I first got there, I didn't think I was going to be doing anything. I thought I was going to be watching, just trying to learn. But first day, my position, position coach was like, all right, you're going in. I was like, okay, chin strap up. <laughs> Don't know, you know what I mean? So um, that was that was crazy. But yeah, the first game where we're at Miami, you know, that's kind of, kind of an iconic place to go play with the Dolphins. Um, and just being stood in the tunnel and just thinking, you know, Matt Ryan, MVP, he's on $30 million a year. And he's, he's saying he's getting us going. And I'm just thinking, I'm looking around, I've got a pads helmet on. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Like, you know what I mean? And then, but funnily enough, like I I wasn't nervous at all because the way that the NFL is, you study so much. And I always think that um, preparation leads to confidence. And I had done so much studying and I'd worked so hard to get to this point that I literally was, I had no fear because I knew I can't do any more. Whatever I know, I know. If I don't know it, then I couldn't have done any more. So I literally, I didn't feel nervous at all. Um, and then once the game started, it was just kind of the same feel as as as, as playing. But it's like being, it's like it's weird because you're on the bench all the time, so you run on and off depending on like Shaggy, player packages. I, I, and- Shaggy, I know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, mate. Don't don't we all at some point? Um, so yeah, I mean because depending on which players they need in for which plays and, and all that type of stuff. You're always running on, running off, looking over to the sideline to see whether you're, whether you're coming off or not. Um, so, yeah, probably that moment in Miami. Um, one of the terrible parts, probably my, probably my second training camp. I don't think I have ever been as low as I had. I don't know what it was. I mean, I was just so drained mentally, physically. I had like two or three really bad days. And I was thinking, man, I'm not going to be here. And I literally, I had to like, and I was talking to some of the older guys. I was like, I have never been in a hole as big as this before. You know what I mean? Every, you know, when it, it got in my head, I couldn't catch a, like up to that point, I was catching everything. And that was one of my, one of my strengths as a player is I would, I would catch balls all day, every day. And I was just dropping easy passes, missing blocks, doing all this like crazy stuff that I'd, like I'd worked so hard to be good at. Um, and it just wasn't happening. Messing up calls. Uh, my my head coach absolutely rinsed me while we were on the sideline in front of everyone. He was like screaming, and I was just thinking, Jesus, man, I'm gone. But I managed to stay around, get a little bit better, a little bit better, and just claw myself back. You know, but that hole that I was in, uh, so that was kind of my that was kind of my worst part. But maybe even the back end of that was maybe my best part. You know, the fight back. Um, because for me it was more it's more the day to day the chat like i said like the big the big thing for me was the challenge of it so just being there and just could i class myself as elite, as elite you know what i mean being there grinding every day staying out catching working on stuff being in the ice tubs like all of that it gave me the opportunity that i wanted to prove to myself that yeah i'm an elite sportsman you know what i mean Man, that's awesome insight. That's so cool. Um, what kind of like on the sports side, um, but also from the kind of the bigger American sports package, like product side, what would you want to bring in from the American sports into rugby? And what do you think would really improve it? Um, I think the, the showbiz element, I think that there's there's so much cultural difference though. Like Americans, they like flashy, they like big, extravagant. Whereas rugby, especially, it's kind of lost in its tradition a little bit. Um, and I really think if that doesn't change, then rugby is going to end up dying out. Because what happens in twenty years' time when all the purists sat in Twickenham die? Like there's no what is bringing unless you go to a private school or play club rugby. What is bringing a new wave of people in um, to rugby? 
And I just don't think until you have something that is appealing for every like this, the newer generation. I know um, there's a lot of talk recently, wasn't there, about the chairman, et cetera, et cetera. So I just really hope they do look at how do they how do they glam it up a little bit, and whether that's in you know. I mean, this, this, the Sevens is a prime product of that. You know, they're trying so hard, and I wish that would get more backing in that sense. Um, you know, I know, I, I think I was listening to Ben last, was it last week, when he was saying about, you know, trying to do the one-off, the one-off tournaments where it's what it's one evening or whatever. You know, it's, it's hard to do, but you just need to, you need to pull the product in a little bit, you know, um, put the fireworks on, make it something people want to watch, um, change some of the rules maybe. But it's just... Um, and I think I think the biggest thing is rugby needs to get rid of this shackle of, as you were saying, the the humility shackle, uh, which I think is good. You know, you should you should be you should be hoping for good people, not someone who is always thinking I can't do this, I can't do that because of what people might think, because that's what that ends up breeding. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that I think that's the main thing. Just just an out outlooking mindset rather than we're doing what we've done for. However many years we love the tradition, you know that's fine. Keep that, but how do we add? How do we move it forward now? You know, um, I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of it, really. Just a forward-thinking mindset would help. Yeah, I mean, well, Mitch, you're still playing rugby, obviously. What 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 would you feel about an opposition player who was a bit more egocentric, a bit more brash, and spoke openly, positively about how good he was? Because as as we've all discussed, it's it's a culture of being very very humble, but maybe not saying how it is, like stifling of people's characters, their personalities. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because I jest about how good I am. I I think I'm class. Go <laughs> <laughs> <Come> on. <laughs> You got to bite yourself, haven't you? Now, and the like, beauty we, we is when have... you say how good you are, we bring you down a peg or two. But actually, we know <laughs> that we also think you're really good. So it kind yeah, of works so... in this like roundabout way. But all you have to do is have one one compliment, and I soak it in. I'm a sponge. I just deflect everything with a <laughs> got a blue lightsaber. But there's loads, of play- there's loads of players out there who I know think that they are the shit, but they'd never say it on camera because they're trained. It's ingrained to be humble and modest. But if you had people coming out say, saying, do you know what? I looked up and I saw my opposite man and I knew I could burn him. So I just smoked him and it's tries every time. If they came out and said that and you had those big brash characters, do you reckon that's the kind of smack talk that would, would bring in uh, a younger generation or... Or get tongues yeah. wagging a bit more. I think we're already seeing it, to be honest. I think people are feeling more and more uh, free to express themselves as individuals. It's certainly something that we've tried to encourage, like in our in our environment, in our team. Like you want people to be themselves and to be all of themselves, whatever that is. Um, but we're also, I think, there's also a big emphasis alongside that of trying to grow as people and, and understand who we want to be as people. So, uh, you know, there's a big difference between someone who's in their late twenties or thirty or whatever who understands what it's about and is saying how good they are versus you know when you know like when you're 18 19 and you think you're the dog's bollocks but actually you don't realize that you know you don't know half the shit you're talking about you know there's there's kind of a bit of a balance there and i, I think that balance uh has been too far shaggy said like you said there's been too far probably the wrong way and not, not allowing people to express themselves so but i think we're seeing it like uh, obviously, Ellis Genge is a big example who, you know, takes a fair bit of flack for it. But, you know, he's, he's being himself. And I think he probably does a bit more than maybe he would normally because he wants to stir things up a bit. That's the impression I get. And I think that's fair enough. Uh, I think it's it's what you use it for, isn't it? I mean, 
if you have put in the if you have put in the work and your team has seen you put in the work day after day um and then you playing is your time you've worked for that you know what i mean this is your moment to go and express yourself and if you are only using as we call it the hype or the whatever or trash talking or whatever it is if you are only using that to better yourself and the team, then I don't think there's there's any problem with that at all. I just think, you know, it gets to the point, as you say, with young kids, but are they trying to be noticed? Are they trying to get more Instagram likes, all that type of stuff? Is it is it hollow? You know, have they put in the work? That's the real difference because I know I know the guys talk all that all that shit in the NFL because they're trying to impose themselves, they're trying to win the game. You know what I mean? They're, and it does go too far with some guys, but I think most of them are just trying to, they're trying to be there. They're trying to be their absolute best. And to get to that point, you need to be able to take yourself to that level. And if you have to, if you have to walk around telling, like telling your opposite number how good you are and how you're going to run around him, then that's your decision. Like, and if you've put the work in to help your team, as long as it's not detrimenting your team, then I don't know how anyone can, can pull that back, you know? Mate, I think you're bang on. And actually from personal experience, I think I've probably missed out at times in my career from not having that like positive self-talk and kind of for some reason uh, you know staying away from that and I actually think being more open and um even if not telling other people but actually even telling myself more and like you know saying it in training like fucking hell that was that was a nice kickoff like oh that was a decent step or whatever it is or that was a hell of a pass like even just that self-talk can be really powerful and i think i've probably missed out on that at times in my career and probably loads of people have because I don't know where it comes from probably because you grow up with this kind of idea of like this sort of false modesty or whatever like i mean the way i look at it, at it is this that's that's you those are your moments you know what i mean you work hard for those moments and how you want to express yourself and and how do you how do you want to how do you want to live your life day to day do you want to walk around thinking about how people are going to you know react to you um you know are they going to bring you down are you worried about that or are you just trying to are you just trying to fucking kill it you know what i mean and um i think that is the real difference is is how 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 do you want to live your life um and as i bring it back to you know that everyone talks about the humility and, and being humble um i would like to have that class of are you a good person you know i'd rather be a good person than someone you know oh he's a real humble guy you know what i mean because that to me has some connotations about aspirations and all this type of thing i don't know each person is their own um but i would like i would like to be judged on how good a person i was you know not not what i was doing during the game to you know to try and win a game you know what i mean yeah, it's how we balance that kind of self, uh, the self-confidence, the self-promotion, um, I guess with thinking about other people. And that's the crux of it. Like what language you use is pretty important in that. But um, how do we encourage each other to be like all of ourselves whilst also, you know, not keeping that vision out, knowing that it's a team sport. And that's kind of exactly what I think you're summing up. You've got pretty good uh, awareness of, particularly probably at the Falcons, it sounds like. Yeah, I think um, there was there was one good moment for me that kind of showed the difference between the two the t the two and, and how people perceive what you were doing in the NFL. So I um, I made it like I made a small mistake, wasn't bad at all, not, didn't affect the play. I come off and I'm stood next to one of the other tight ends. I go, man, I am terrible, like a complete joke. You know what I mean? Like we would in. Um, in rugby, just I mean, they don't get they don't get the sarcastic banter anyway. But I mean, he literally straight face turned to me, put his arm around me on my shoulders, like, man, don't say that. You're doing good. Just keep going. You know what I mean? I was, like, well, I, I, I was like, I was like, well, I was joking, but thanks anyway. You know what I mean? So um, there is there is some cultural different cultural differences like that. You know. 
you definitely, if you'd said that to one of the lads, they'd have just gone, yeah, you fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's, there's a time and place for that though as well, no doubt. I wanted to come back to, you brought up your speech in the changing room, in the locker room. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's, the, the locker room in American sports is quite iconic. I think probably because they let TV cameras in there a lot earlier than they have done in in UK sport, can you tell us a bit more about the ritual and the weirdness that goes on in there? Like the epic speeches, crocodiles in showers. <laughs> um, after a win, definitely. Um, there's guys, you know, the rap music on, guys are dancing and, and hollering and whooping and the coaches are in it on it as well. The coaches love it, man. Like it's so hard to get a win in the NFL that whenever we like the difference between winning and losing games and the vibe is just crazy like there's no consistency whatsoever um so to be to be part to be part of those winning locker rooms um you know is really really good i would say that maybe something that's a little bit different um to most um change rooms in rugby is the us is a very religious country so they have stuff like what they call um shower power where they'll have a they'll have a priest come in and take all the religious guys into the shower and say a big prayer um before the game and then um the guys who aren't, aren't <laughs> the guys who aren't believers are uh, are all sat around known as the dark side and all that type of stuff and and then after the game you'll after after the game everyone gets on a knee hold hands says a prayer together um which is kind of cool you know didn't, like obviously doesn't mean a lot to some people but it's it's all in one but yeah i mean some of that some of the locker room stuff after a win um you know is is pretty cool yeah one night we should probably talk about a bit sevens guys i was just gonna say we'll bring it back this is so, <laughs> thing is, it's super interesting we could talk to you all day about it because it's obviously amazing insight for us uh, who have never experienced it but right coming back to sevens then like what were some of your favorite things about the game like some good memories you had playing for England? Um, I think one of the biggest things has to be the travel. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't really until I left um, that I was sat just dying at uh, Yorkshire Carnegie in the championship that I was thinking, man, and all I would give to be back in Cape Town right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I just think, you know, those those moments, you know, like with the sevens, I got to, I got to stand on top of, you know, um, Table Mountain in Cape Town. I, I, I took a helicopter ride into the Grand Canyon and had lunch down there with some of the boys. Um, the sunset in Dubai, it was just, you know, Sydney, the Sydney Opera, like everything. And then, you know, you go to these places and especially in those first couple of years, those those uh, tournaments were packed. You know what I mean? You're playing in front of 80,000. And, uh, and I mean, I love the game of sevens because as you say, it's just a bit more free flowing. There's a little bit, there's less structure. It's just enjoyable just throwing the ball around. It's 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 a purer rugby to me. Um, and just being away with the guys, you know what I mean? In these amazing places. Because, you know, when I got to the NFL, the, I was talking to the, like a lot of the 75% of Americans don't have passports or anything. And they were like, oh, so where have you played rugby? I was like, well, the team I used to play for, we used to go to New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, Dubai, Hong Kong, um, France. We used to, and they were like, oh, I was like, and we did that every year. You know what I mean? It's just it's when you when you think about it, it, it is really crazy, um, and it, it is a, and that side of it is a huge privilege, um, definitely. You know, it sounds like you got a fair bit of longing for it. Would you ever come back to rugby, to sevens, to the game? Um, it'd have it'd have to be it'd have to be the right kind of deal. Um, like I always make the joke, I'm not sure if they could afford me now. 
But uh, yeah. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Maguire, we were chatting about this before yeah. you got on. You're coming in, Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Show me the money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there is that part of it, but it would have to be the right deal. It would it would have to give me a shot at. I mean, the two shots I would want is what could set me up for one, maybe the Olympics, and two, um, the England senior team. You know what I mean? It would have to be something that I would want to be. I would want to be having a chance to fight at the at the top level. You know what I mean? Um, I would, you know, I would never go back to the champ. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I would, it would just have to be the right opportunity because it's so much to sacrifice. You know, the NFL is a great, as hard as it is, it is a great place to be. Um, and you get all sorts of other stuff with that. Uh, but you know, rugby has always been my first love. Um, and you know, I, I never got to represent the senior team, um, yet. So we'll just see. I mean, we'll see what comes through, but it would have, it would have to be a good deal with, and things would have to match up for sure. It'd be class to have you back, Shaggy. You're welcome. Yeah, money team, money team, baby. Money, money team. <laughs> to say, Chippy, one thing I do uh, regret is not us having a good celebration. Because we always had those, the lightsaber celebration planned no. out. We had a load of stuff planned out. We never got to. I was probably too hanging to come and catch you up, probably. So, um, Chippy never scored then. any tries. I think they, <laughs> they didn't want uh, the two oiliest blokes on the pitch at the same time. There's like a world rugby rule. Yeah, something about that. Too much oil. Too much oil, oil on the road. Um, Shag, what, did you get a chance to think about um, who you'd take over from the NFL to sevens? Who who, who would slot in well? Yeah, I've got, you... got a list here. Yes. yes. Oh, oh. That's what we love to say. He's a professional, I, you can tell. I, yes, Shaggy. Yeah, I tried to make... I mean, this is, this is my life now. Filling out notebooks is, is, is my day-to-day, so... Um, so, basically, I tried to do it as... as uh, as uh, viewer-friendly as possible, because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who um, who wouldn't know who the, the players are. So I'm trying to, I try to keep the big names in there and where I thought they'd fit. So for the props uh, and the hooker, so George Kittle, he was just in the Super Bowl. He's a tight end. So I had to give some tight end, you know, that tight end brother love, you know. Um, number two is Luke Keekley from the Panthers. He's actually just retired, but he's kind of renowned as um, he's like the middle linebacker just a workhorse you know tackles everything and i thought you know that's got to be a hooker in the sevens game three has got to be a fan favorite gronkowski from the top rope um, loves the party yeah 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 so he uh he'd be great after you know hong kong um <laughs> dubai cape town he'd be great to bring along for sure <laughs> and obviously great big big man target for the kickoffs um Number four, the scrum half, I actually went for Antonio Brown just because I would love to see um, his his diva personality in action. And, and he is a hell of a player as well. So small, fast, um, great skills. Number five, Lamar Jackson. So the, the uh, quarterback from the Ravens. Boy, boy can run. Um, you know, could be playing wide receiver. So you could, you could put him on the wing if you needed. Uh, obviously, can pull the strings as well playing quarterback. Player called Tyreek Hill for who, in the centers. He's, he's he's known as the cheater, fastest guy in the in the NFL. They think. Um, and then obviously, I had to go with my guy, my locker room buddy, uh, Julio Jones on the wing because he is. Um, yeah, I mean, he hands down is the freakiest athlete I've ever seen. Um, just how big, how fast, like how quickly he can stop on a dime. Um, a little bit like Nortz if Nortz was 20 kilograms heavier and, 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 uh, and five inches bigger. 
God, that'd be if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Nose doesn't need five inches, I'm telling you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I, I did have a bench, so I had a couple of guys. I'll just read a couple of them off. I had Russell Wilson backing up the 10 and 9 spot. JJ Watt as one of the props. Nice. Um, you know, he could come in, yeah, he could come in and cause some some damage. I actually only had I only have two defensive players. So we, you better hope that this team has the ball. Otherwise, <laughs> it could be it could be just a shootout for for most uh, most tries. Marshawn Lynch, I put on the beast mode. I put on the bench. Um, he could play anywhere. Could play prop, hooker, center, wing, um, and then twelve. Chad Ochocinco, basically just for his chat. So man, um, what a team. So that good squad it. player. Like it, yeah. Man, that is epic. Yeah, so you I, just have to teach someone to do the drop kicks, and that would be an epic yeah. team. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think I thought who could. Hmm, that's the problem. We're just going to have to go tries. We're just nah, no conversion, please, ref. Just let's get on with it. Um, who was it that got you the um, the secret Santa? Was that the Julio Jones? No, Matt Ryan. T- tell everyone about that. You told me, but tell tell uh, Mitch and Bernsey. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, secret Santa. You, you're in rugby, and you're thinking, um, yeah, ten quid, twenty quid, maybe. Um, I had no, I had no idea, but we turned up one day, and uh, there's just this huge, massive, um, like barbecue set. That's just so he he basically bought barbecue sets for all the tight ends and all the offensive line to say thank you, thank you for blocking, basically. Um, and then you're googling online, and this <laughs> I'm thinking what the hell is this? And then uh, Google online and things worth like three grand. And he, he must've bought that. He must've bought that for like, yeah, he, yeah. He must've bought that for like, I don't know, 20 people. <laughs> and then, the, the, and, and then, and then the year after he bought us like a VIP experience at like the Porsche headquarters, um, where you get to drive a Porsche on the track. And, uh, and that was like $700 per person. Um, what did you get? Memory, Jack? <laughs> just a handshake saying thank you <laughs> so he said handshake uh, that would be more appropriate <laughs> yeah 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 but I, there's some horror stories because like we were we were pretty good in the tight end room like the older guys never made us buy anything we had to take the guys out for dinner but that was it but the uh, one of the offensive linemen that I'm good friends with when he first got in they made this is how crazy America is they made him for him and his position group he had to go and buy uh, 15 rifles uh, for the boys like a rifle each costing 15 grand cheers Jesus mate and I think they all went on a big hunting trip you know what I mean so it's just different different life mate I mean you'll enjoy this I was like I was actually sitting on, I actually sit on billionaires row I call it so like next to me there's like Keanu Neal first round draft pick Devontae Freeman like 50 million dollars over four years uh, Julio Jones like all these guys are on my row like a row of four so I'm always hearing their conversations and they're talking to each other it's like uh, Devontae was asking Julio oh, how much do you get on like appearances and he's like man I don't leave the house for less than 50k you know what I mean? <laughs> this guy is just raking it in I've got one from a super fan asking who could win in a fight between you and Bob Casey? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, if you take into account, would I be actually looking at the guy when I get when I have to fight him? Or is that you know what? The stipulation of the rules, can I not look at him? God man. Welcome welcome to pro welcome to uh, welcome to pro rugby, isn't it? But is is there a, sto- uh, is there a story there between you and Big Bob? Have you not? Well, there's a video going around that you guys will have to probably source of me just. Uh, all right, the story goes, we were doing like a mauling practice, um, and me and him are on the same team, 
and we we both get we get pulled both get pulled out of the mall um, by by uh, by one of the one of the opposition players. And he is, he'd been injured, he'd been injured for a long time, wasn't playing, so frustrated. And this guy's like a dinosaur. He's like huge, huge man. 20, <laughs> 22 stone, six foot seven. Chippy will know. 20, 22 stone. Yeah, big boy. Um, big, big, big boy. So we're both getting pulled out. He's I, I only saw this on the video afterwards. But as we're as I'm heading back into the into the mall, all I all I feel is boom on the chin. I fall down. And I'm thinking. I think, man, he must have caught me with an elbow or something. Anyway, I come back to look at the video. He's just flailing his arms. I run past him back into the mall. He just looks at me and just haymakers me straight in the chin. <laughs> like straight arm, straight arm swing, straight bang on the chin. Um, same team. I was that. Yeah, same team. Thanks, mate. Friendly fire. But, you know, I was down but not out. That's the main thing. That, was, that is an amazing video. For, and I One of my favourites. sees Chuck. that at some point. Do you get any scraps in the in training in the NFL? Do you get any like inter team scraps? Yeah, you do. You do get a, you do get a little bit. I mean, they're really really hot on it because obviously some of those guys are um, they, the coaches hate it because you know some of those guys are worth a lot of money to the franchise. Um, so if it, you you get sent out of practice, if there's a fight, you'll get broken up, and you two will have to go and hit the showers. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, there's a couple because. It's such a confrontational sport because especially the position I play, you're on the front line. It is literally you versus another person and you're having, you're having a wrestle with them. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and it's just, you know, there's a little bit of pushing after, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, everyone's grabbing each other's face mask and trying to uppercut each other. Um, yeah, I mean, you see, you, I kind of find it crazy when guys try and tee off on each other and they're wearing the helmets. I'm thinking, you guys are just, you're going to break your hand, so... Try knocking a guy out with one of those helmets on, please. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, ridiculous. I was just thinking that. What are you going to do? Punch him in the, like, the, the quad or something? Even you got pads on your quads as well. Yeah, you get a bit. I was I was told by one of the old linemen that the key is to take control of the face mask. Because if you've got your control of the face mask, you can move his head where you need it and, and try and get an uppercut in, under there and stuff. So that's the only way you're going to only way you're gonna hit someone is like that. So Take control of the face mask. <laughs> <laughs> Shaggy, how does the athleticism of the players you're surrounded by now weigh up to the best sevens players that you've played with and against? Um, I mean, some of those top top speed guys. The problem the problem is with it, like if you look at someone like Tui Sova, who is like a freak of a rugby player, there's nowhere for him to play in American football because he's not quite big enough. He's not quite fast enough to fit any one position, you know. Um, so there's a lot of guys in rugby who are like really good athletes, but there's, they're just not they're just not good enough at one thing to take him into that over that edge. Like he's not like he, you say like there's a lot of like big fast guys, but are they tall enough? Like it comes down to that because they they look at wingspan, hand size, all this type of stuff. Um, but the thing is with the NFL, there's like everyone in the NFL is a good athlete. Like even the big the big boys up front. Um, they'd all run like the defensive line who might be 150 kilograms. They'd run a 12 second, hundred meter, every one of them. So it's just, it's, there's that base level. And then you have a couple of guys who are just different, you know, like Julio Jones is one, um, that I've seen up close and personal. Cause every team has them. It's all the first round draft picks. You know what I mean? These guys who can jump 40 inches, um, run like a four, three in a 120 kegs. Uh, whereas in rugby, there's probably still some guys floating around where you're thinking, man, how are you a professional athlete? You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially in the 15s game. So the any so, sevens guys used to play against, I know this is going back a few years, but any sevens guys you play against, you're like really respected as an athlete? 
Um, I liked Akira Ioni. He was he was probably the he was probably the only one that I kind of thought like I, like I mean I never rated anybody anyone we played against I just I just never rated anybody you know what I mean that's just how how I was um, and and still am to to it but like I I thought he was I like he's something I hadn't seen before in sevens you know what I mean or in fifteens um, I thought he was yeah he's a really good athlete and there are some guys like Victor Vito I think would have been a really good um, NFL player if he'd started young. Um, there's there is a handful of guys who you think could have done it, you know. Those really athletic back rowers, um, probably not the second row, but yeah, some of those big um, athletic back rowers could have maybe done it. You know, played tight end or linebacker. Uh, but yeah, Kiraioni was one. Obviously, some of the guys on the circuit are so fast though. You know, the two American boys, um, Sinatla Norts. Um, you know, I think speed is the most. That's the best thing to look at, isn't it? That's what everyone is wowed by. You know, so that's like the that's like the money maker, isn't it? The speed. Um, it's just hard to get the combination of speed and the size because that's what you get in the NFL. You get guys who can run 10, 10 second, 100 metres, but they're also, you know, 100 kegs, you know. Shag, so you've um, you've obviously done a lot of work. Um, is it is it Sam Portland you work with? Yeah, shout out Sam Portland, Big yes. Red. So you've done you've done a lot of work with him. Um, that's, that's, where, you know, that's, where, that's, that's where we met, Shaggy. Yeah, I know, man. It was uh, down, down at Richmond. Doing speed work together. Talk, speed work. Uh, Jesus, Didn't he needs a speed work as well. Work as well. Burns, <laughs> he was he was too, he was too busy checking out uh, Kirsty Gallagher's see through see through leggings, man. That's, what, that's his problem. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I'm not in a, I'm not in a position to deny that. Shaq, <laughs> <laughs> what are you waiting in at now? Because you're shifting. I've seen some videos of you shifting some um, some tin, and you're looking big and quick. What are you waiting at now compared to where you were where you were at sevens? I know you're quicker. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'm hovering it around 115. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely faster. I mean, obviously not having to do as much as cardio, fitness, like that slow burn stuff. It really is. Everything's so so twitchy in American football. It's like lights on, lights off. You know what I mean? It's stop, start, go. Like, and everything is 100%. And my training has obviously replicated that. Um, so yeah, kind of up at 100, 115, you know, around about there. And I'm, you know, I can hit, I'm hitting 10 meters per second. Um on a like a on a longer sprint so that's like that's that's faster than i've ever been and that's kind of i think that's parallel to maybe some of the the 15 wingers you know so um yeah i feel good you know it's and the thing is with the long off seasons you have you have a lot of time to as long as you use that time effectively you have um you have a lot of opportunity to get better at stuff um and that's what i did you know and and you know i you know i was joking shout out to sam portland but if anyone does need some training, I can't recommend him highly enough because he, you know, he has really, really helped me on my journey um, and kind of helped me discover an athleticism that I didn't, you know, I've always been a good athlete, you know, always since growing up, but I didn't realize where I could get to if, if you sort, sorted out some links in the chain and, and really, really did that, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm really thankful for his help and, and for just being able to put the work in with him, you know. Is there anyone else who's who, who you'd like like not like to give a shout out to, but who's helped you along your journey in the NFL? Who's like kind of put an arm around you or like boosted you or giving or pointed out something you didn't you hadn't thought about before? Yeah, I mean, there's what there's one player um, that no one will ever hear about, but he he's played ten years in the NFL, like real big journey man because of how good a person he is and how good he is it bringing guys through. And it, it was probably the first time in my life that I ever had a mentor like a, a type of mentor and, and now that I've seen that because you know 
he has shown me some way some ways of how to be a great teammate that I didn't really know before and you know if I was going to be ultra critical of myself especially when I was back at the sevens I was so singular focused on trying to do what I wanted to do um, that I probably wasn't the best teammate when I could have been you know because obviously I had a I had a stellar background coming into the sevens you know was probably one of was one of the key performers like along with you guys and I, I really now see how much more I could have done with the, with the group. Um, and it wasn't, if I'd never met him and had his constant work and help and arm around the shoulder, and I, I, I moved in with him in the off season just so he could teach me football. And he would, and his goal, his goal for him, one of his goals for him, he said to me face to face was, I want to see you on this team. Like, I want to see you making it in the NFL. And for, and for someone who himself has been kicked around the league and is, trying to feed his family, you know, that was just a huge thing for me because I'd seen how dog-eat-dog it was. Um, and for him to, to say those words to me and truly, truly mean them, you know, that was, that was huge. And, um, you know, I'm forever grateful for him. So Logan Paulson, if you ever see, he's not on Twitter, he's not on Instagram, he's an old school bloke, but um, I do appreciate you and thank you for all your help, my man. Nice. nice I'm going to have to cut this up for me so I can send it to him because you won't see it otherwise. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll send yeah, you a copy of He's not listening to the Seventh Heaven podcast. I can't believe that. Not wait, this. Well, this is why I'm on, man. I'm trying to get you guys worldwide. Let's do this. Yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, look, I want to ask one last question about athleticism, and I don't know if this is a pod exclusive, uh, but it certainly hasn't been widely uh, marketed in the media. But England's sevens are looking to do a combine. Uh, next year so they signed up with a partnership with Red Bull they're trying to take seven to the next level and they're going to be doing a combined style where they get athletes from different sports freak athletes from different sports to come and do pretty much all the tests that the NFL do and they're also I think they're going to are they well you guys might be able to tell me better than this they're going to get the current England team to do those tests as well as a benchmark how do you reckon that's going to go Shaggy do you think that's a good idea um, I think so. I mean, you, then you know who's, who's the baddest, who's the fastest, who's the, who's the strong. Well, I mean, you can't do the, that. How many reps of 100, I don't think is a very valid test. But um, yeah, it's, it'd be good to see on paper where these guys are at. I mean, it's a little different for rugby because there is such a skill um, component to it, far, far, far more than there is in American football. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be a good idea to see to see where you are, you know, and could you then take a guy who has you know outstanding measurables and then and how good how good is the coaching you know how good can you take these guys and produce them into a because th- you see a lot of guys who especially sprinters all this type of stuff who they you know they have all these attributes um, and they just fall to the wayside because no one can upskill them you know how it's going to be great to see are the coaches capable of doing that um but i think it'd be great to get stuff on paper See who's the, see who's the fastest. See who's the you know who can jump the highest, um, and then you can compare yourself to other. You know, I'm sure other nations will want to get in on that, and then it'll just you know you'll know you'll know what type of players you need, who who is the best and stuff. So um, I think it's a good idea, great for publicity, no doubt. Um, and that's just as you say, that's one of those things we were talking about, trying to show visit a little bit, you know. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a good idea. It'd be interesting to see what the scores are. Mm. Um, I'm with, I'm with you, Shaggy. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, so what next for you, Shaggy? You're an undrafted free agent. So does that mean you're not going to be training with the Falcons? You're going to be training on your own? How does it work? And what's the plan for you when we get yeah, back from I mean, lockdown? Um, 
Yeah, it's basically, um, you know, see, you know, I've had some interest from teams already, but it's just a case of, oh, you're not in America. I couldn't even go see them anything. So it's just, there's a lot of guys on the free market right now. Um, there's a lot of starters who, are, who don't have don't have positions right now because of this coronavirus. Because guys, I said, you can't go in for medicals. They don't know if people are healthy. Um, it's just, it really is the wild, wild west right now. So it's just a case of, um, you know, I've, you know, I did well with the opportunities I had. I've got some good film out there. I've got some measurables that are pretty good that got, that, pe- that teams like. Um, so we'll see. You know, I've, I've, I've literally just waiting to see what happens. That's kind of the feedback I've had from from people and stuff. So. Once the borders open up and I can actually, could actually need to get another visa, you know, my three-year visa ran out, so that's another, that's another hurdle I have to get over. So, um, pray for me, boys. Mate, it's been so interesting hearing about it. Like, amazing insight into what is a pretty crazy world that you're living in. Um, so, thanks very much for sharing that with us. It's awesome. No problem. No, thanks for having me. It's been good fun. Loved it. As I, as I said, it's a bit weird me not being naked right now, but that's. Uh, Next time, Shaggy. Better, better. Next, next time. <laughs> hey, thanks, Shaggy. I absolutely love that, pal. One night in heaven, one night in heaven, one night I'm gonna throw it out there, boys. Best interview of the pod so far. I loved that. No, it was class having him on. Um, really insightful and really um, the way he spoke about the NFL was class. Um, obviously, he mentioned to us a bit off air about this is the first kind of interview he's done um, since being a free agent so he could actually like express his feelings on how stuff is. Um, and just good to get that out there, I think. Um, the top boy, like always been the hardest, one of the hardest working players I've met. Uh, and you can see why he's, do, he's done well in the NFL so far. And I wish we obviously me and Mitch and wish him all the best for the future. I'm sure he'll land on his feet. Always does works hard. It was an amazingly open account, wasn't it, of, of his journey? It's really cool, like uh, just being party to that kind of openness. Um, yeah, he was brilliant. Really enjoyed that. Do you know what really struck me is how how clinical he is in his decision making process? That he obviously loves sport, but that he doesn't hang too much on the romanticism of it. He's in, he's in the NFL to be competing at the top, not necessarily because he loves the style of the game. I thought that was quite interesting. That's not a side that you see to a lot of sportsmen in England. He's always been ruthless with everything. So like, example you know he said about not being a great teammate when he was at sevens we'd wait for him constantly to start sessions because he was doing his pre-ab if he had a little niggle he'd be on it it'd be like he'd spend 20 minutes before a session we're like all everyone's warmed up ready to go and the coaches would be like oh shaggy you are you ready to train because he'd be like now i'm warming this up like you can't make me train until i'm ready and he's ruthless about getting the best out of himself to give the best for the team so seeing him take to the NFL is like seeing a duck take to water you know what I mean like it's easy for him to go in where everyone wants to be the best and he has to perform the best because he's been doing it for years like he's 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 one of the hardest working blokes on and off field that you can meet it was really interesting that he picked out that learning about how to be a better teammate from being in an environment which is probably even more focused around the individual yeah yeah I it was when he said when he said it I thought well yeah like there was points of, of shag that you would have changed when he was at, at the sevens, but that's just the growth and development um, as a as, of a person. Hell of a player when he was wearing the England sevens jersey. It'd be nice to have him back in the mix at some stage, wouldn't it? Yeah, the great thing about playing with shag was that he would come out with some, some offloads, some feet, some moves that were totally unexpected for a guy of his stature as well. I think he was so light-footed for a guy of his stature um, and lovely 
kind of silky hands and offloading ability. So you knew that he could create something out of nothing. And uh, there were real moments of brilliance. And I'm not surprised that his highlights reel grabbed the attention of the NFL selectors because um, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. That's it. It's, he is a, just a silky bloke, and he like for someone so big with the skills he's got and his his footwork, the ability to stop and go and change. Um, yeah, for a big bloke, he moves bloody well, doesn't he? Right. I think that's us, boys, for the NFL special in the bag. Lovely yeah, stuff. Yeah, really enjoyed it, Burnsy. Thank. Good to see you again, Mitch. Looking sharp, Burnsy. Have a shave. See you all uh, ne- next week. Get on you, boys. Right, so that's it for another episode of 7th Heaven. We thank you for your listenership and we're feeling the love with the ratings and the numbers at the moment. So if you could keep that up and rate us five stars on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasting fix, then that would be absolutely terrific. But from all of us up in the clouds in 7th Heaven, until next time, it is adios. See you, ladies.